0: Artscape is produced on the traditional coast-salish territories of the Songhees-Lekwungen-Speaking Peoples and the husanich sinshotthin speaking Peoples. Artscape is a production of CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria and is made possible with the generous support from the BC Arts Council. Now in its third season, Artscape seeks to investigate the diverse arts and culture landscape around us. My name is Miyoko, and today I want to hear the sound of your soul in motion. I love dancing. It makes me feel happy like a child, lighter. And if I listen carefully, I can hear the core of me speaking to me and then taking me on a journey. Today, I will find you in the city. I will see you naked in the middle of the Centennial Square. I will meet you at the dance temple and we will talk outside sitting on the ground of the community garden. We will go swimming in the Pacific Ocean and you will pour me a cup of tea at your house. You're going to let me see you and myself like never before. Your tale will make me feel like I know you and myself for the first time.
1: For me, it's, you know, it's like breathing or eating, like I, I need it, it's really, it, it feeds my soul and it's um, a free space for my body to express itself.
2: It, it's changed my life, like, yeah, it's been such a beautiful experience. So yeah, I come every week when I can and by the end of it, I'm usually like almost in tears.
3: I had just started like a path of self-exploration, and my life was changed. And now, yeah, like every Sunday, I look forward to it so much. If I skip a Sunday, I actually, I feel it, like that I'm missing it and that I need it.
4: It's pretty overwhelming actually, like how how great it is.
0: I talked to Geneva, Rachel, Manu, and Andrew, right after their dance temple session in the community garden nearby the session is organized by jazz who's very dedicated and is always welcoming everyone with a smile or a hug about 70 to 80 people come every week to free dance for two hours straight to mostly world beat and electronic music five djs rotate to facilitate the dance and sometimes they play live music which doubles the effect every time the place gets really steamy and everybody just ends up with a huge smile stuck on the face
1: my name is manu so i start to come in a dance temple because um, i discovered ecstatic dance uh, many years ago when i started practicing tantra and getting introduced to. But spiritual path, and so when I moved in the island, I definitely needed this type of self-expression, expressing my body and stuff like that. So I checked online and I found, yeah, dance temple, ecstatic dance. I was like, yeah, that's it.
4: So my name is Geneva, and I used to dance a lot when I was younger. Just um, in, but festival, or at the Blues Bar. And as I got older and got more involved in my life, my job, my kids, I didn't do it anymore, and I really missed it. It was scary at first, but I came.
3: Uh, my name is Andrew, and uh, it was on accident that I came here. A friend mentioned it and wanted uh, someone to come with her, and so I said sure. Uh, this, this space was so safe and inviting and non-judgmental and i had never danced really in my life i had always had a guard up and i was very conservative and so to be in a space to simply let go and to be accepted and to yeah express yourself with uh yeah like a radical inclusion it was absolutely beautiful
2: Um, Hi, my name is Rachel, and I actually found out about Dance Temple in the hospital four months ago. Um, I was in a program um, healing from um, substance use, actually, and uh, I found the flyer there, and I came down here, and I was, like, instantly felt at home I've always loved to dance I, I've danced but I've always danced in bars and at festivals places where people are are usually intoxicated and to come here and see all these people together and kids and families um, and be able to like express myself freely it, I can't tell you how beautiful a feeling it was to realize that like I didn't I could still experience that sober yeah it's been such a beautiful experience.
3: love is the the very slow start and then it builds into something very chaotic and beautiful and then it dips back down to slow because when you move with the music you just you let it flow through you it's not uh, and maybe it could be termed as the zone getting in the zone or something like that because it's you just turn everything off and just let let the music flow through your body and move how, whatever way feels good, it's primal, yeah.
4: To play music, to be a painter, you, I think takes a lot of time and and um, ever to really get to a point where you're really truly expressing yourself but everybody starts dancing. It's almost like we're connected to dance when we're younger and as we get older we lose it and we lose touch with it and coming to Dance Temple, you can reconnect with it.
2: It's there waiting for you if you come and you practice and you can drop into it there's a huge amount of the community too because like I love dancing but dancing with all these people together it's just it's a whole nother level of experience I'm fairly new here so but I make new friends each time and there's nothing more fun than dancing near someone and just feeling their energy and the energy flowing together with everyone in the room. It's just, yeah, it's it's definitely magic.
3: seeing the people around you being authentic it's it's easier to warm up to being authentic for yourself especially in the very beginning you have to get out of the way of your mind you have to you have to give in and and release and just yeah it's it, our ego is always a huge thing in our life and so to get out of the way of our ego to put it aside and to just exist without that for even just a moment I mean I think that's why people call this space magic is because that's what it feels like I mean we're conditioned since birth to be these like subservient conservative people Um, yeah there's this this constant almost fear of, of judgment or something like that and so to have a safe space to just completely let go and to let your walls down and, and just breathe and dance and explode and I yeah, truly exist in this space. That's really where the
4: magic comes from. When I would walk into a space or a room and I'd be somewhere where it seemed like everyone was authentic or being themselves and I felt like I couldn't. And it's like, so I would think about what is that that's stopping me from really being authentically me, really getting in touch with my feelings and finally being able to let to let go of that, that block, that thing that helps me on a day-to-day basis, you know, keep everything together, but disconnects me from myself and what I'm actually feeling to accomplish what I need to do day to day it's letting go of that and then I'm open to to um, my emotions I'm open to um, the the people in the space and the space is very positive it's full of so many positive messages Um, so it's so refreshing to get so many positive messages
5: so,
3: so, so, yeah. For me, it's like a purge of emotions. It's uh, yeah, things just come to you in the moment and you express yourself and then it's gone like it. And so for me, whenever I leave the space, I feel so much lighter. In such a like serene space, where my mind is so uncluttered,
4: one of the second or third dances, I was very surprised by like my movements um, that were in anger and frustration. Essentially, having so much. Um, pressures and constraints around me and and just like really feeling like I almost needed to like to get to get free of that really having to to like use my body to like like break them like and really get get violent and wild and then feeling feeling better feeling like okay I got that out I can like move on to something else now
3: I really love and I'm at home at that quick, fast, exciting, playful rhythm, and I've never really danced anything slow, and for me, it's terrifying, but as well, it's, uh, yeah, I just explore where it takes me, and so maybe I don't quite feel as comfortable moving slow, but I take that as, yeah, an opportunity to learn about myself and... How, how, how to move to a rhythm like that and, and to enjoy it.
1: Dancing engage the full body. The body carry also, he has his own wisdom, he has his own uh, memory, he carries also trauma. And that's what the, this safe space here allowed us to do. It's therapeutic.
2: I also um, study Montessori uh, education, and she talks about this this connection that children have when they connect with something that touches them deeply in in their inner self, and they get this connection, this spontaneous experience, and they call it flow. And I think that that's what's happening here. It's like this this beautiful experience of people just like spontaneously interacting to. Yeah, connect and express themselves and it's just it's beautiful, it's amazing.
0: So you want to be free. You want to live life to the hilt. You want to feel love, to live it, to drink it until until you're going to explode. Do you think you could heal me? Do you think you could birth me anew? Do you think you could change the world?
6: What started is we all gathered in studio at Reno Dance. And as soon as we left the doors of Reno Dance, we were on. That's when our performance started. So walking through the streets of uh, Victoria down Government Street to the Parliament Building, that walk was also part of our piece. Let me introduce you to Lindsay Delaron. Lindsay Gatizagots de I'm Iroquois from the Mohawk Nation from Ganawaga.
0: She's the indigenous artist in residence of Victoria until March 2018. She creates performances, exhibitions, workshops, all for the city of Victoria. She's a multidisciplinary visual artist and has a master's in clinical counseling as well. I wanted to hear her about Accord, her latest collaborative body storytelling performance as she calls it. She co-created this piece with 12 indigenous and non-indigenous women and co-facilitated the choreography with Monique Selez at Raynaud Dance Studio. So we uh, were in lines of two
6: and that was i think this moment what people were witnessing was a stream of very powerful women walking through the streets Um, we some of us were holding different uh, pigments black blue white and red to signify the elements you'll see in some of the images that our skirts are divided to by red blue black and white And so this is really about um, embracing elements and the importance of how elements come into our healing water fire air and earth and so as people from the city were viewing this row of women this was sort of our 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 walk of silence you know just holding space for one another um, activating body getting ready to perform And so as we were walking down to the Parliament building, right in front of the fountain closest to the street is the Queen, the statue of the Queen. So that's what we were in opposition of. That's what we were reclaiming in ourselves, was our own Queen Um, um, outside of these ideas of colonialism, right? And so we took off our shoes. Once we got down to the Parliament building and we all walked past the Queen, we walked down the aisle past the fountain and then I was holding black and so I went and I placed this um, black um, uh, pigment down on the ground and then the other four pigments were also placed by other members of a Accord and then there was this action of putting paint so each woman chose a color that she wanted to represent and be and she would do marking so some as you can see on my face I had two black Um, black uh, streams of paint coming down my face to represent my own grief that I'm in currently. And the choker around my neck actually is a representative of grief. Instead of being all encompassed in grief, wearing black, I'm sort of emerging out into a new identity as well. But that is still very much a part of my healing process. And so each woman had her own narrative in relation to the color that she adorned as well as the skirt that she wore and as well as the persona that she played. And so it took three months to come through this process, which I'll explain later, but the visual of it is really about this embracing of a new identity that was constructed through this process of accord. And so a lot of it was healing trauma, a lot of it was healing old narratives and embracing new constructions of self and identity and place and history. so after we had all put on a, our uh, ink or pigment we all held hands in a circle and what we started off with was with was the warrior's woman song so we sang hey hey, hey yeah, he, oh, oh. and uh, i led that first verse and then we sang it four times at, at coming closer and closer every time
0: The women's warrior song was written and gifted to the people by Martina Pierre, an elder from Lidwat Nation. The song is a calling for help, for the strength to stand together and overcome all human challenges. It's often sung during protests such as the commemoration of the missing and murdered indigenous women.
6: So this song is a warrior song for women to come together and sing it at very uh, specific times in relation to um, women. So that's why we chose it because it's a woman's piece and at the political level, you know, uh, that song is sung in opposition of oppression. You know, and so we become warriors in that um, through singing that song and remembering our strength and remembering that we're powerful. And so to start a chord with that piece is really to embrace, you know, who we are individually and collectively and to really embrace and and accentuate that when women come together, powerful things happen. And so singing that song and embracing that song in the beginning of the performance while visually that the circle is getting tighter and tighter and tighter. That's that's really significant because it means that there's an merging of spirits coming together to create a very powerful medicine that will actually um, that will infiltrate that space. And then from there, this is where we broke out. And so the first part of the um, performance is stories of resistance. And so all of the gestures that you see, like hands sort of um, chopping forward with these sort of um, sounds that are like, ah, 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 ah. This is all about resistance. It's all and then pushing back, pushing back, pushing back, coming together, pushing back, pushing back. This is all about, you know, pushing away colonialism, pushing away oppression, pushing away, uh, you know, acts of violation. And it's about creating safe space for us. And then that sort of translates into this um, movement of uh, of questionable actions that are sort of happening in our world. And, and where our hands are sort of motioning like, huh, what? What's going on? It's this very confusing state where we're almost shocked, continuously shocked that, you know, there's continued violence against women. And we're kind of like, aren't we changing, though? Like, but we're not, you know, and so this very confusing place. And so these gestures are all about this resistance of, of narrative, um, both socially and individually. And so um, that's where we built our, the first phase of our piece. And then it would get into tight choreography. So there was independent movement as well. In conjunction with that, there was choreography where everybody was doing the same thing. So all of these stories were constructed in studio, so we broke it down. Monique Selez really helped co-facilitate that choreography piece and really extracting body movements from each participant. So these are of our stories of our needs, what we uh, needed that we didn't get when we were in need. And so all of these motions and movements are about reclaiming. So what was it that we didn't get when we needed it, and then we... um, somebody would tell their story. And what is really interesting as an audience of us uh, watching someone tell their story is we actually do our own movements. You know, if somebody's speaking and they touch their chest a lot, that we would embrace that. Okay, when you were telling your story, you touched your heart a lot. You moved your hair back a lot. You wiped your eyes a lot. And so those actually, when people are telling their stories, what was happening was the other group members of Accord chord. We're extracting the body movements of that storyteller, and that's where everything was put together. So stories of resistance, story of reclaiming, sacred stories, and uh, our healing stories, all of our stories that we're, we told in our circle of our process became uh, visible in terms of the body movements. So they weren't made up out of thin air oh, that's my story. This is me seeing uh, Jeff in his casket the last time, putting my hands on his chest. And so, and then, so they all fall into one another. Cheryl's story, Lindsay's story, Connor's stories, Mikey's story, and they all create this choreography. And so we had to learn everybody's story, not just visually, not just verbally, but we had to embody everybody's story as well. I don't think we danced. I think we did, it. I think it's body storytelling. Storytelling through the body, right? And they're not just trauma stories. There's stories of, of, of magic and stories of being a woman and stories of how um, they've survived difficult things and how they've embraced their lives. And um, so it's the not so beautiful and beautiful and the alchemy of that really coming together to 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 show this visual narrative of women's lives. process of listening to other people's stories and having circle and coming together and stories of healing and vulnerability and really difficult stories of people's lives and challenges that they had, you know, uh, to translate this into non-verbals and to put it into a body movement piece is very healing on many, many levels. Um, How so? uh, Well, I I sort of relate this type of work to somatic work, you know, in terms of clinical counseling, a lot of work with how we store memory in body, how we store trauma in the body. In terms of trauma vortex, our triggers get activated in different areas of our, of our, of our not just our physical bodies, but through through memory, um, things that have been done to our bodies places uh parts of our bodies that we cover up parts of our bodies that we show i mean this is all sort of related to how we see ourselves and that image that we hold of ourselves how true is it what what eyes am i looking at through at my body are they 10 year old eyes 15 year old eyes 23 year old eyes and I think when we can start to really not just verbally tell our stories, which is very important, but embodying our stories, I think there's a stronger integration um, where we're not so fragmented. So because our, our stories of trauma are our stories of strength. And that's where we could start building building resilient narratives when we address the trauma, when we speak of the trauma, when we speak of our stories, and actually having that accepted and feeling like you still belong, even after you tell your story. So listener and teller establish a very important relationship for this healing as well, and how the container using indigenous framework and indigenous medicines to really hold space and, and really embrace that vulnerability. So there's a lot of different factors that come in with a chord in terms of the process and so a chord is a process of integrating story so I don't really understand what's really happening I only understand that it's helping people because I see people breaking and crying I, I experience it I hear it they're telling they tell me. This, me being in the body, is healing. Me being in the body, oh my God, it's so exciting. I've always been out of touch with the body. Nobody. I've been traumatized, I've been sexually abused, I've been violated, I've been outside of my body for 20 years, you know? And so, I, what, I, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I don't know why, but I just know it's a, a, effective because that's where we become visible in our bodies, you know, and that's where we're seen. And we need to be seen and we need to be heard. I think what's happening to the audience, I think we are activating their phys- physiological responses, you know? And so we're helping people to feel alive again and to give people permission to be in their bodies and to inspire people, you know? It's it's about emotion, right? And, and that's where we store our, our emotion is in the body. And so I think... It's, it's a place of release. It's a place of giving permission to people to, to feel, uh, to be present, to be confused, and listen to that body wisdom, to not have to intellectualize everything and analyze everything, critique everything. The whole process of a chord was three months, like I said, circles, storytelling, listener, storytelling, listening, and then developing all of that choreography out of the actions of the storyteller. Um, you know and building to the performance. you know and so the closer that we got to, you know we booked the date specifically um, in the 10 days leading up to um, the 150 um events and you know canada day in terms of the 10 days in the city of victoria doing all of the events they're in celebration of that history whereas we were part of the events but we were celebrating something else we were celebrating you know and i think of the parliament building uh, itself and and taking a tour in there and even the photographs you know there's very little women in in the in the seats taking seats Making decisions for our country, making legislation for for the people. There's very little women in that, you know. And so it's the it's the it's the opposition of patriarchy. You have you have you know 13 women dancing and moving in their bodies as they see fit, you know. And so I think it's a very political act to do uh, a body piece at the parliament. And so. When we were physically at the performance and physically on the cement slab and physically in our bodies and physically there and present with the backdrop of this huge colonial structure, which is on Lekwungen territory, um, you know, it's it's like we create a portal, a portal of cleansing that landscape. And so that's that's why it's important to do the work and that's why it's important to actually it does it does it's it's almost like um a release it's a place of release it's a place of birthing it's a place of birthing you know we, we 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 ended there but we began a new walk of life after we left there So it's an ending of that process of accord, but it's a beginning of new stories for each and every one of us. And um, I think for the audience, seeing that performance and presentation at the legislature changed that space. And I think that's really what I'm trying to do with my work. I'm trying to change how people see and what people believe, even if they're consciously aware of it or not. Like prayer, you can't see it, but you know it's there. And healing's like that. You know, you know something's different, but you just don't know quite what it is.
0: Okay, so darling, tell me, what if nobody's there to see you? And what if it feels unsafe?
7: That's what I need. I need my body to be connected to the earth. I need a supportive tribe. I need to live in a way that is like flow, and it's achronic, that means no time. If you asked me, what culture do I identify with most? I would say Australian Aborigine pre-colonization. So, as an anthropologist friend once said to me, well, that culture is as far from ours as possible. So I feel like an alien in this culture because I feel like just like always grating against everything. Like I call it swimming against sandpaper or swimming on sandpaper.
0: <laughs> if anything, Tasha Diamond's performance art is unique. She created the Human Body Project which includes vulnerable embodied performance art in public spaces, as she calls it.
7: All through this process, I've learned as I've gone along. Like, I had a really strong intuition, inspiration. I don't even, like, it's more than that, a calling thing. Like, I I had to do it, you know, and I didn't want to because it required me to be naked. So it took me two years to get the courage up. So when I decided to do the work on the street, again, it was kind of like, not so much a calling because by this time I was already doing the work, but it was more like... I'm doing this work and I got to get it out there. You know, like it's a duty. I have this job to do. I got to do the job. So um, I started doing what I called vulnerability vigils once, and I committed to doing it at least once a month. So a monthly action. And um, what it was was to show up naked on the street. So the same ethos of the performance. Uh, to be as vulnerable as possible, but do it on the street. But I also knew that it's just way too confrontational to have a naked person on the street. Um, I personally don't think that a naked person on the street is that big a deal when we have like, you know, guns and bombs um, and rapists and whatever. But I understood that in this culture, like what I'm doing was too much. Um, So I chose to always do it with a sign in front of me so that it was less confrontational and more gentle. So the signs I used would usually just be something that really was like a theme for me at that moment. Um, Often I used the word vulnerable, but then I started changing it to different words. So I knew I was gonna be doing a fringe show this year and I had an original idea. And then um, Keith, my collaborator sometimes, and I wanted to do, like, a anti-colonization or just a, like, disruption of coloni- colonial holiday things. So on Victoria Day, we had planned to use this black paint to cover ourselves to be, to match the um, black queen in front of the legislature. So we just started, like, kind of walking around town. And then I just started dancing. And that's when I was like, oh, this is what I need to do. Like, it just felt right. And I was just doing, like, really grotesque, ugly dancing. In some ways, it's more challenging because it feels more vulnerable. But in another way, it's just kind of like, okay, I'm expressing. And you can take it or leave it. Whereas just walking felt a little bit more, I guess I was more in my head. Yeah, I think it takes me out of my head more and into my body and the movement is coming out of me like when I do it on the street too like I, I do it on purpose to kind of express but also I really feel like I'm dancing ugly out both of me and the culture so that the ugly is coming out of me and it's to help me survive because I, I was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer two years ago and I'm, I, I struggle so much with living in this culture. Um, so it's about me dancing like the ugly out that gave me stage four cancer for myself, but it's also about me doing it on behalf of my culture and on behalf of others. My decision in the beginning about using my naked body was about to create a situation as both physically vulnerable, but also emotionally vulnerable as I could without hurting myself or anybody else. But it really created uh, a vulnerable situation, both for me and the audience, because people are empathetic. and, And first of all, they feel someone else's vulnerability, but also to have this woman naked Um, who's not selling herself in any way, like not selling a product and not being pornographic, not being, you know, a model. I'm not an exhibitionist. I'm not comfortable showing my naked body. Um, It's very stressful for people because we don't have that. So it's very vulnerable for the audience as well. So that's one thing I've sometimes said is that that my body is a medium to create vulnerability. Just showing up in my body naked is very countercultural. Like to see a naked fifty-five-year-old, or even when I started, forty-four-year-old woman—you know, I'm saggy, I'm overweight, I'm out of shape. Um, you know, I'm not a—I'm—I'm I'm a sight, right? Like, I'm. This is the opposite of how women are supposed to show up in this culture. So, simply showing up as a real person how I am at this age and since having cancer and having kids and having a difficult life in some ways you know like that's that's powerful in itself it's a statement in itself Um, but I learned through doing it that okay like actually what I'm doing out here it's like I started to realize like this is one of the only ways that i can really address my culture is like going out in public on the street
8: the keys are lit, motionless horizontal
7: in the beginning when I didn't have like all the words to talk about this stuff I needed to create a visceral experience like I knew that because I didn't I I had seen as an artist as a visual artist how indifferent people are to like they could just pass so much by right and I feel like people only learn viscerally. Like they only really learn something deeply, viscerally. And for me, that visceral, like that really deep visceral learning came from having a child. For me, it was this very deep experience of having this visceral Um, connection to vulnerability and understanding on some level that my culture didn't support this in any way shape or form and um, that I had no teaching about it I had no knowledge about it and that um, I needed it I've learned more about my privilege from doing this Like when I started, I didn't really examine my privilege, but for me, I learned it in a very visceral way. Like by choosing to let go of my insulation and being there completely exposed, I understood the idea of um, how privilege insulates us and keeps us safe. So I understood like, oh, wow. Like we, those of us who have privilege this is such a huge benefit to us to be insulated from uh, you know like worrying about where the next meal comes from or emotional pain or people like um, rejecting you by walking by on the street so yeah to me we have these people who are already on the street and who we ignore unbelievable but that's our culture Like our attachment to capitalism is really our, not, not just our attachment, it's our, like survival is based on capitalism and yet our, survi- our lack of survival is also based on capitalism. So we're stuck in this paradoxical place right now. It's a very difficult place. It's a very vulnerable place. And so we've created this culture of domination and we perpetuate it. And I feel like in this culture, it's about dominating. I mean, like, a culture that's based on hierarchy, a culture that's based on um, status, a culture that's based on holding people, oppressing people, exploiting people, and fear, yes. And definitely fear. Um, And, well, fear is what perpetuates this kind of culture. And it's about dominating to get power, so whoever. like one word we could use is to call it epigenetic, like it's something that's actually changed in our genes. And so that's why it's pre-verbal. So we begin to dominate our own emotions pre-verbally. And so the domination of emotion to me is um, not to be emotional, right? And um, that's where I'm trying to reach people, like on a non-verbal level. There's so many people already living this. People on the street here in Canada. We have a refugee crisis in the world like nothing that's ever been seen before. And there's over 1 billion people on Earth right now being affected by war. And then when we talk about poverty, way more people die every year from poverty than the Nazis ever killed. So we're already in it it's just that in this country it's very difficult to see it so that's another reason i do the work i do because i feel like on some really again on a really essential level i'm addressing my peers i am addressing my middle class peers who don't see it at all and we're just we just continue acting in the same way we've always acted and and of course when I'm saying this I get it like how are we going to act we don't have that in our vocabulary and that's my point I guess my really really most essential point of my work is that here we don't have a vocabulary for where we're at in terms of what we've created with an extinction crisis on the earth we don't have a vocabulary so maybe what I'm trying to do is create one I don't think I would have um, got the idea if I hadn't been a mother. Uh, but it's, it's back to the due diligence thing. Like I, I, as I said, I feel pretty devastated and desperate and hopeless. I actually feel, when I started this, I had some optimism. I really can't say I have a lot of optimism. I don't feel hopeful about humanity. However, I am alive and I can do something. And I feel like, especially since I have kids, it's my job to keep doing this.
0: Now, tell me, do you know who I am? Do you know where I come from? Do you know where I need to go?
9: Just a couple weeks ago, I did a two-week dance intensive with Kokoro Dance, which is a buto dance company, and which led to um, a performance on the beach, uh, at Rec Beach.
0: Noriko Oka is an expressive arts therapist at Draw Heart Studio downtown Victoria. She's worked with body movement with her patients for many years now.
9: I think there's different versions of how buto dance emerged. I do know that it emerged after the war, uh, World War II um, in Japan. Um, I've heard one story that it's connected to um, the atomic bomb uh, around the experiences that happened to the people there uh, in terms of how they suffered. Um, It's a very kind of austere dance where the aesthetic can often be, if there is clothing, it could just be like a loincloth. Um, People sometimes have shaved heads and there's this white makeup that's applied to the whole body um and some stories are around um how after the bomb was dropped how um you know there were all kinds of involuntary movements that people were um doing because they were suffering and this dance kind of emerged in that kind of environment where they were using all movements you know all movements to um, express with their body so it's, it's a pretty for me it's very resonant um, with buto you drop into kind of a, a very like meditative uh, liminal space kind of third eye it's a very primal kind of dance and so it's very spare and very primal and raw And so to take this dance out into a site, kind of a site-specific setting like Rec Beach, um, it's just completely impactful because, I mean, at one point we started on the beach, we went into the ocean. I mean, we're beings that came out of the ocean. We emerged out of the ocean. And so there's this moment where we come out of the ocean onto the beach and just being in the element, just being in the element of the ocean already kind of lands you in your body because the ocean is so alive and we just kind of um, came out of the water slowly um, and for me it felt like we were emerging out of the water you know, (laughs) Uh, like for the first time so it's that, it's, I think it really, I think everything is contained in the body, like all that history, knowledge, where we come from, our original beginnings are all there. And when we move, um, I really strongly believe you can tap into those places. I just find it's, afterwards for me, it's like, um not a, I just have an image of like, the horizon, like when all of a sudden, it's just like, um, like a clearing, or there's light, and then all of a sudden, there isn't light, or, or the first time that light emerges, that's the feeling I have right now, afterwards, it feels like the landscape is clear and there's so much space within me right now to live or explore I don't it's it's hard to explain it just feels like an internal space that has opened up vastly like it's a vast open space that's opened up and I think that uh, I think we all have that inside ourselves, (laughs) right? It feels like, um, uh, like a reservoir, but a reservoir that's like a bottomless reservoir. And I feel like dance allows you to tap into your body that way and connect in ways that just very naturally, it'll just take you there. It is cellularly there, I think we all have that, Um, it allows you to connect to the flow in your body and uh, when you can flow with it I think the world opens up. This is the second time I've done that workshop, the Bhutto workshop. It's a very, very challenging workshop Um, How so? On many levels, it's just um, physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually challenging. (laughs) Um, It's a very rigorous um, process that the dancers go through. Um, I just find that apart from the two choreographers and um, the other people were just people from all walks of life. I love that aspect where dance can be accessible to anybody. um, As we were talking about, like it is our body and our body um, seeks to express itself. And I think it's beautiful to watch um, people who are not necessarily trained in dance um, be encouraged to find a way that their body wants to move. right? body is speaking a lot all the time. And uh, I guess for me, um, I've learned a lot in just paying attention to that, being aware of it and abiding by that and seeing where it takes me without necessarily always, you know, thinking about what I need to do or how I need to move or how I need to act or think or feel, right? Because I feel in some ways, well, the body's always informing me. Yeah. So the flow is that. The flow is kind of being aware of how the body is, um, I don't know, circulating in motion, communicating, humming, singing, Vibrating um, responding at any moment, I think we're really sensitive beings. Um, we take in all the time, even when even when we might not be aware of that. I think we're taking in all the time. Um, so it's there again on that cellular level and once once you can once you get in that way, I just find you can just follow that you know in movement when you'd follow stuff like that I find it's really um, it's always unusually surprising it's it's never like you, you don't know where you're going <laughs> but it definitely takes you somewhere I mean I think that's why I do what I do um, because the arts always surprise because you follow your imagination, you follow your play, you follow your body, and um, you don't know where it takes you. But if you if you allow that to happen, it takes you somewhere.
0: Thank you. Thank you for your power to heal me, to welcome who I've become, to get all of us to splash water on each other, to allow us to tell each other secrets, or to open serious discussions, and to change the face of history. And all this without a word, or even a look, but just with the simple act of moving bodies, Thank you, Geneva, Rachel, Andrew, Manu, and Jazz. Thank you, Tasha Diamond. Thank you, Lindsay DeLaRonde. And thank you, Noriko Oka. Thank you, Rara Avis, for your DJ set and live music at Dance Temple. Martina Pierre, for the Women's Warrior song. Kizya Nagata, for Lay Beneath My Wings. Alan Hall, for Vertical Path. And Holy Hum, for Breath. The executive producer of Artscape is Katie Sage, and I'm Yoko, the producer of this episode. If you like what you've heard, don't forget to subscribe to Artscape and leave a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. Artscape has been made possible with the generous support of the BC Arts Council.